You're listening to Alabama Tradition with Ryan Fowler and Martin Houston on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Chips. 27 SEC titles. 131 first-team All-Americans. 70 postseason appearances. 39 postseason victories. This is Alabama football. And this is Alabama Tradition with Martin Houston and Ryan Fowler on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. tradition the past present future of the alabama crimson tide i'm still going solo for a few more weeks and it may be uh, northbridge is off to a great start so martin houston assistant coach over there coaching his son uh simeon who is having a great year we'll talk more alabama crimson tide football we won't be able to talk with martin houston but we will talk with one of his former teammates william barger coming up in about 15 minutes if you want to jump in same number 205 342 9904, the five-hour radio uh, marathon every Tuesday. So we, we hang with you for one extra hour. Alabama's finished up practice. We'll talk about it. We'll get you into the conversation. If you want to jump in, we're doing our sack contest today. Who will lead this Alabama football team in sacks? Who will lead this team in sacks? When you look at Alabama, you you go back to the numbers. Uh, we have spoken about it several times. you got to go back to 2016 uh, the last time that you found Alabama at the top, they had 54 sacks. Uh, you you break up a little bit. You also go back the year prior, 2015, we led the country. And then we have took a nosedive of getting to the quarterback. It's not because we haven't had elite talent at the, at the end uh, in getting the quarterback. We've just failed to get those guys, and some of that goes hand in hand. You look at Alabama, they, they look like that they've got enough talent to be able to create some pressure but who's going to lead this team in sacks? If you want to jump in, you can do it right now. Uh, we will put you, the winner of this contest, into the grand prize package, and uh, we'll be giving away a ton of products, uh, and we'll be announcing that very, very soon. We'll do our Dreamland score prediction contest. We'll do a Brian Harden construction free-for-all Friday, uh, but we will talk some more Alabama Crimson Tide football as we get into the conversation. William Barger is probably one of the most comprehensive breaks down a uh, guy just understands college football, understands talent. So he's about 10 minutes away. Let me start with Nick Saban audio. This will set the tone of this Alabama tradition, a weekly show, uh, not just here in the great state of uh, city of Tuscaloosa, but throughout the great state of Alabama. Uh, this is Nick Saban following that second scrimmage on the campus of the University of Alabama. All right. Well, you know, today was, you know, our second scrimmage. Uh, I think what you want to see is, uh, a lot of improvement from the first scrimmage to the second scrimmage, which means that some of the things that you've done in practice uh, have been very effective uh, in helping your players improve. Um, and, and I think that we certainly did that. Um, I also think that um, we wanted to make things very game-like today. So uh, even though 
last week's Saturday practice was sort of game situations, it really was still not a scrimmage. Uh, and today, for at least 30-some plays, uh, we played exactly like a game uh, with kicking situations, scores, stops, turnovers, whatever happened, happened. And uh, we had to go adjust and play the next play. And I think that was beneficial to the players as well. Uh, but I think one of the most important things we need to do is um, it's very important uh, that our players sort of uh, buy into the culture of what has helped us be successful uh, here for a long, long time, and that's the intangibles that we play with, the work eth ethic that we have, the discipline that we play with, uh, the toughness, the effort, um, and people having a great sense of urgency about how important it is to do their job um, so that the, the, their unit, their team, our team has a chance to be successful. Uh, and that means we have to play to a standard. And it's not really anybody else's standard. It's our standard. And um, I think everybody's got to buy into that. They've got to buy into the team. Uh, the team having success and uh, winning is very, very important. And that should be what everybody buys into. Uh, be the best player that I can be so I can contribute you know, to the team's success. And uh, in that, most of the time, if you do that, you create tremendous value for yourself individually. Uh, because that means you're playing at a high level and uh, playing uh, like uh, everybody likes to see you play, which is playing winning football on a consistent basis. So I think, you know, this kind of signals the end of camp, even though we didn't have camp. Um, you know, we, we now have to have a sense of urgency to get ready for the season. Uh, we'll actually, you know, start that when we go back to practice on Tuesday. Uh, in terms of early opponents and starting to get ready for our first game. So uh, I was very pleased with uh, the offense was uh, pretty efficient today. Uh, offensive line is playing really, really well. Um, I think both quarterbacks, you know, played well today. Uh, we have some explosive players at receiver. Um, you know, Smitty and Waddle are both playing extremely well. And some of the other guys are coming along and playing, you know, very, very well. Um, really impressed with the running back, uh, running backs that we have. The young guys have really played well. Uh, so, you know, we have a lot of good things happening on the offensive side. You know, defensively, uh, I think there was a lot of good things, but there's certainly a lot of things that we need to clean up and improve on. Um, and again, it's, there's a lot more inexperience on defense. Uh, they have to learn the importance of playing together, communicating, um, you know, not going out there and just pressing to try to do what they're supposed to do, but, you know, when circumstance changes that they know how to adapt and adjust and play together as a unit, uh, and I think that's something that we'll continue to get better at. So uh, from a kicking game standpoint, uh, the specialists have done really, really well. Um, you know, a couple punters have been pretty consistent. Um, you know, Will was four or five today. I think he missed like a 55-yarder or something. So. You know, he's been doing really well from a kicking standpoint. So uh, a lot of things to work on, a lot of things to improve, uh, but certainly not at all disappointed in the progress that we made to this point. So there it is, Nick Saban talking about his football team and everything coming out of this camp. Let's, let's back up for just a couple of minutes. Distractions are everywhere right now, everywhere. Everywhere you look, there's a distraction, whether it's um, – you know, leading into 50, uh, 49 days away from the election. You got, well, will we play? Will we not play? You've got COVID-19. 
and all the different things that involve that. Uh, it's easy to become distracted. But this football team, everything that you hear, every time I talk with someone inside uh, the know, inside you know, that football building, it seems like that this team has a different level of focus. And I guess it kind of goes back to the Nick Saban dynasty. The way that they built this product is what? Control what you can control. And I know that would be great for all of us to apply that within our life. Control what you can control. Nick Saban preaches that not just in 2020, but in 2017, 2014. That's been his MO, his process. Control what you can control. You know, dominate every single play. And Alabama has taken that message for the 190-day um, pandemic and said, hey, we're going to take this, we're going to apply it, this is what we're going to do, and Alabama's been able to do that. And it, we just got practice footage from today's practice, full day in pads, but as I'm sitting there watching you know, these clips that they send us, they're, they're still blocking us out of the practice viewing, and understand it, but hopefully at some point uh, we'll get back to that. But you know, just looking at players, Christian Barrymore uh, is a guy that, and I didn't see him in this particular clip, but you look at 305, it looks like a different 305. When you look at Najee Harris, that guy looks like he's going to run for you know 1,500 yards when you look at just the eye test. That's all you're able to base it on. You, you get what you can get behind the scenes. You combine it with what you're hearing. You see the video that they're able to send you, and you go, they're checking those boxes. They're checking those boxes. Alabama loaded on the offensive side of the football, still trying to find a way to work out some kinks on that other side of the football. Will they be able to do it? We'll ask William Barcher coming up in just a couple of minutes. I do remind you, it is Dr. Jimmy Canan. It is Foster's Veterinarian Clinic with Dr. Jimmy Canan. 35 years of serving West Alabama. They've added Dr. Alexander back in the month of June and July. They're a part of our team. Foster's Veterinarian Clinic, 35 years of serving this community, a small animal practice providing full veterinarian services. It's Foster's Veterinarian Clinic with Dr. Jimmy Canant. We'll continue with more Alabama tradition, the past, present, and future of the Alabama Crimson Tide. William Barger in three minutes in Tuscaloosa, Tide 100.9, the home of Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. Bye. Tide 100.9, WTIDFM. The station in Tuscaloosa for ESPN Radio. Your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. You are listening to Alabama Tradition with Martin Houston and Ryan Fowler. Your connection to Tuscaloosa and the University of Alabama Athletics. On Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. He cussed, kicked the dust, saying, son, it's way too dry. The clouds up in the city, the weatherman complains. But where I come from, rain is a good thing. All right, so we're covering for Martin Houston. Martin and I do the Tuesday night 6-7 to seven edition. We call it Alabama tradition, the past, present, future of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Mark's coaching high school football. Uh, Northridge is off to a undefeated start. Uh, he's coaching his son, Simeon, which is a senior at Northridge. Uh, so Martin will be back as soon as high school football is done. So I'm going to cover for uh, him going solo, but I'll join one of his teammates, uh, William Barger, former offensive lineman at the University of Alabama. We call him a Crimson Tide insider to talk a lot of Alabama Crimson Tide football. Hey, William, I hope you're having a great day, man. Welcome into the end. I was about to say the end of the game, but into Alabama tradition. 
Hey, Ryan, how are you? I, I got all excited. I thought Hee Haw was joining us there for a minute. Uh, see, y'all can get away with that. Uh, if I called him, I wouldn't get that same treatment, I can promise you. <laughs> but I guess it's all about well, that chemistry in that locker room. You guys aggravate one another. Uh, but but if but if I if I use that name, uh, I'd be in the doghouse. I, I wouldn't. I would never get a get a, get a lunch or a, or a dinner or nothing. Well, you know, it's funny in the 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 soft world that we live in these days. If, if people knew about the bullying and the hazing and uh, the twenty four seven, you know, making fun of each other that went on, you know, inside that. Alabama locker room from when I was down there from 89 to 93, they'd be horrified. But that's just the culture that it was. Sure, sure. Well, and, and, and you look at Alabama uh, Crimson Tide football, and, you know, we, we do, you know, we talk about chemistry of, you know, football. And many times and it, it's, it's so fun from an outsider to see that chemistry and that fraternity uh, that you guys live in, uh, regardless of which – era you, you go to the 90 players you guys can connect with the 70 guys the 70 guys connect with the current guys it's just something about wearing that crimson uniform and that bond that all of you guys have well absolutely and you know that's one of the you know the great things about you know the relationships that we all formed with each other i mean you know i've, I've run into guys that i haven't seen you know since 1993 and you know we're always able to pick up where we left off and um you know the uh, the exchanges back and forth are still the same, and um, you know we're we're all a lot closer to being fifty than than we were at the time being you know twenty one, twenty two, twenty three, and um, most of us still think that we're that age uh, mentally, but physically uh, we're a long way from it. Um, but you know I, the you know the one thing that I, I would somewhat disagree with, okay, um, is you know I think my group of guys that went through there in a four or five year period um in the early 90s yes we 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 can connect with um you know the guys from the 70s and the 60s but it's it's a little bit more difficult to connect i think from the standpoint with the nick saban era players players because you know they didn't have they've never been through uh 35 spring practices where 30 of them were in full pads you know, they've never been through, uh, you know, three-a-days and two-a-days, um, you know, where, you know, you, you were so beat up and sore that versus climbing, you know, two or three flights of steps at Bryant Hall after, you know, the lunch was over with between the morning and the afternoon practice, a better option for you was just to flop down on one of the, le- of the uh, leather couches in the lobby of Bryant Hall, uh, you know, versus going upstairs to your room and your bed, and, and that's, that that's something that's gone and won't ever come back in the game of college football. What do you think the the biggest loss when we don't have two a days? What what do you think the biggest impact really is uh, from a physical conditioning standpoint? You know, I don't think it's so much from a physical conditioning standpoint, Ryan. I think it's a mental okay. conditioning standpoint. Um, you know, the the level of mental toughness that that it takes to you know, get through, you know, especially I think more so in the spring, um, you know, when you don't have an opponent to prepare for and you're out there beating up on each other, you know, that that was a rough deal, you know, to, you know, have 35 practices and, you know, 30 of them being in full pads. But, 
and then you know you segue into the two a days in August. My freshman year under Bill Curry in nineteen eighty nine, it was three a day practices. And uh, wow, you know that's just a tough, tough deal, you know, mentally to get through because I think anybody that you know gets to the SEC level as a as a football player coming out of high school, you know, pretty much everybody. Um, you know, thought they worked hard and, you know, lifted weights hard and, and practice hard. And then, you know, you, you get up to that level and all of a sudden you get slapped right in the face. No, nah, you really didn't. And this is a new uh, dynamic with, with a new hurdle to overcome. I mean, it, it was rough. William, I want to ask you about recruiting, then we'll work our way back to uh, what Nick Saban has called and well, he said, well, we call it camp, but we really didn't have a camp, so I don't know what you want to call it, leading up to the first game. But uh, uh, going back to recruiting, what do you think has allowed Alabama to make this switch? I mean, we were looking at the month of May and going, man, there's Nick Saban has drifted away. They were ranked about 58th in the country, uh, 12th in the SEC at one time. Uh, but somewhere the light switch on, what a led to this complete reverse and now they're number one of the country according to some of these recruiting services. Well, I mean, I think first and foremost, you have to go back to, you know, the conversation that Nick Saban had on the the jet when, when Mal Moore went down there and scooped him up from Miami in, in uh, January of 2007, I guess it was. Yeah. I, I think my yeah, dates l- are right. l- Yeah, late 2006, early 2007. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, he told Mal, he said, Mal, um, you know, you just made the comment to me that you think you've hired the best, you know, college football coach in the country. He said, I'm not the best college football coach in the country, but I'm the best damn recruiter in the country. <laughs> and and so thing. you can't ever discount that, number one. Number two, you know, that they have got such a uh, an elite resume um, when, when it comes to recruiting and developing players on both sides of the line of scrimmage, which you and I have had this conversation over and over again, that's where it all starts and stops. Um, you know, if you've got the best big Jimmys and Joes on both sides of the line of scrimmage, that's half the battle. But in, in the last five years, that that's actually even segued out away from the line of scrimmage. I mean, you know, now he's got, you know, in a given, you know, season, I mean, he's got three or four first-round draft picks at wide receiver. Um, you know, he's got a couple of first-round draft picks at running back. And, you know, look at all the first-round draft picks that he's produced at, at DB. Uh, quite a few at linebacker as well. I mean, it, it's just, you know, it's a no-brainer when you look at the facilities, how he develops these kids off the field in the classroom and, you know, whether or not they, you know, become NFL football players. I mean, you know, you can go out there and get a job as a weightlifting coach at the college level and make a half million dollars a year right now. So it's it. there's all kinds of attractions that are down there in Tuscaloosa. But, and, you know, call me a homer or whatever you want to, but I, I've yet to see another coach in the last 10 years that develops guys both on and off the field and prepares them for life after football any better than Nick Saban has. Well, and you hear a lot of people saying that um, just handles with the day of life. And I think you see that with players when you go to the next level, 
that you've got to have that self-discipline that you're taught for these three or four years to make it uh, at that next level. You don't have somebody looking over you. They'll just cut you and not pay you. But uh, 56, 57 guys in the National Football League, I mean, that's crazy to even to even step back and think about those numbers at the next level. I mean, that's an entire roster in the NFL belonging to the University of Alabama, not just playing, not just occupying a spot, but being some of the best at their position. Well, you know, I, I think, you know, this guy that I'm going to bring up, um, you know, it may sound like some home cooking since I'm a former offensive lineman, but, um, you know, if you go and look at the accolades at the college level, I mean, Ryan Kelly wasn't necessarily a decorated superstar, you know, during his time at Alabama. I mean, this is a guy that was a, you know, for an Alabama recruit, you know, based on the recruiting services, he was a low uh, three-star recruit. I think one of the reasons why they got him out of the state of Ohio was because Ohio State didn't offer him. And I think the Indianapolis Colts, just made him the highest paid center in the NFL to the tune of fifty million dollars. So, you know that that that's the thing. I mean, you know, you know, any, anybody can go out and evaluate the Julio Jones, the Derrick Henrys, you know, those guys. But you know, this is a guy that coming out of high school, he wasn't highly rated. You know, coming out of Alabama, he wasn't a first round draft pick. I don't think if he was, it was late round. But, you know, he's gone up there in, in Indianapolis and proven his worth and has gotten paid accordingly. And, and, you know, I know he is, without a doubt, one of Nick Saban's favorite former players. Um, he has the utmost respect. I know Mario Cristobal does as well. Um, you know, just, just a great story about a great young man. Um, you know, Bradley Bozeman, you know, is another one. Great point. You know, three-star recruit. Um, you know, he's gone up there and carved out a niche for himself in Baltimore, done some great things from, you know, giving back to the community, you know, that tour that him and his wife went on with their, their camper. Um, just, just, you know, we, we could sit here and talk for hours about, you know, what these guys do once they do get to the next level and how they give back to their communities. And that's what it's all about. Well, and you, and you see that. I've asked several players, uh, whether it's Reggie Ragland up in North Alabama or uh, Kenyon Drake with some of the things. I've, I said, where did you guys learn to give back? And it, it's it's Nick Saban. He sets that uh, with his message, uh, don't pray to be blessed, pray to be a blessing. And uh, these players take, take that uh, into consideration. Well, we could talk about this all night. Let me move back uh, to this camp because, like I said, we'll, we'll get things started and uh, we'll, we'll be talking about this because I, I love to talk about what Alabama's been able to accomplish under Nick Saban in these last 13 years. When you look at this camp, let me give you the flexibility to go where you need to go. We're uh, closing down this portion of camp and opening up more of a game preparation. What's been your biggest takeaway? Um, you know, I, a couple of things. Um, you know, I, I think the fan base is a little shaky about, you know, you've got now – you know, two scrimmages, the only two scrimmages in this camp um, where the offense has kind of had their way with the defense. And I don't think that's anything to panic about because I think this offense is pretty much going to have their way with whoever they play. Um, when you look at, you know, the talent level on the offensive line, you know, the wide receivers, um, you know, the quarterback position, the running backs, you know, maybe the only one that's 
position that's not really up to the rest of that level is the tight end position. Um, you know, they're going to have their way with most defenses. And I also think that, you know, having some time to reflect on it and think about it, you know, let's look at it this way. Let, let's just pretend like Dylan Moses wasn't lost for the season last year. Let's pretend like D.J. Dale wasn't lost for the season last year. You know, I know he tried to play through it, but his knee was shot from the Duke game. And, and also losing LeBron Ray, I think, in the South Carolina game. You know, just addition by subtraction, having those three guys back, and hopefully all three can stay healthy um, through this abbreviated season. I, you know, I think that's going to make the defense, you know, that much better. So I, I get the old adage that, you know, if the defense isn't ahead of the offense, you know, then maybe that's a concern. But I just don't think that applies to the amount of weapons and, and having a offensive line that a lot of, you know, people are saying it's probably going to be the best offensive line in the country this year, and I don't disagree with that. Um, it, it's it's a very difficult proposition for, you know, Pete Golding or Brent Venerables or whoever to slow that unit down. Um, you know, and I think the, the, the people that I've heard the most buzz about is, you know, yeah, Bryce Young's probably ready to play at quarterback as a true freshman, and I think he'll play versus Missouri. But, you know, Mac Jones has worked very hard. He's elevated his game. Um, and I, I think it's going to take a, a meltdown from him, you know, for Bryce Young to become the starter sometime this season. Um, you know, the, the other guy that, that, you know, you hear all the talk about is, is Will Anderson, at an outside linebacker. Um, you know, especially now that there's two weeks until the Missouri game, I think you could already pencil him in as one of the, the rabbit package edge rushers, but it wouldn't surprise me if he doesn't bump, uh, you know, one of those two guys in front of him and become, you know, a first and 10 guy. You know, th- those are the guys. And, and I think also, too, it sounds like after struggling through the first portion of fall camp, I think Trey Sanders, um, you know, showed flashes Saturday that maybe he's turned the corner and getting past that foot injury that he suffered. And, you know, um, you know, we, I think we all know that Brian Robinson's a good running back, but, you know, the two true freshmen, Roy Dell Williams and Jace McClellan, have had two very good scrimmages. So, um, you know, when you factor that in and, and then, you know, you get out there to the wide receiver positions, um, you know, I think John Mechie is a guy that would have started it at a lot of other colleges last year. But when you look at what he had in front of him, um, you know, with Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy and, and Jalen Waddell and Devonta Smith, um, and, and then the true freshman Javon Baker, I think, has got a chance to, uh, along with Slade Bolden, you know, to call, carve out some really good roles for themselves in that wide receiver rotation this season as well. William, let me spend uh, time as we, we continue to talk about the offensive side of the football. Uh, where do you think Landon Dickerson ends up? What, what are you hearing? Do you, you know, because you, you have to be able to say, give up what you were able to do last year. And I know they're trying to get the best five on the, on the field, uh, but you look at what Landon Dickerson did as a newcomer, a, a grad transfer here in Alabama last year. I thought it was a, you know, something that maybe we overlook a little bit uh, too much, kind of fitting in with that team and, and building. 
uh, that kind of mentality on that offensive line. Where do you think Landon Dickerson ends up when, when we're all said and done? Well, I think he's going to be the starting center, Ron. Okay. And uh, I, I, I thought, you know, in my mind that the, the best five this season would have been, you know, Dickerson at one guard and Deontay Brown at the other and Darian Dalcourt at center. Um, you know, maybe – Dalcourt needs a little bit more time. My guess is probably to add good weight and get a little bit bigger and stronger. Um, but, I, you know, I've got no problem with, especially after what happened last year where they waited until, you know, basically I think October the 1st to, to insert him at center. Um, they're, they're not, you know, waiting this year. I, I think they've already identified that, you know, having him at center and, and Brown at one guard and Ikior at the other to go along with Neil and Leatherwood is the best five. I'm glad to see them making that decision before, two weeks before the first game versus Missouri versus fiddling around with that best five, you know, chemistry mix like they did last year up until whenever they did insert Dickerson at center. I mean, I, I think um, you know, Owens is a great utility player. He, you know, he can play, you know, basically all five positions at a decent level. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I think Landon Dickerson has a chance, um, you know, at, at the next level. He can play, you know, all three interior offensive line positions, left guard, center, right guard. Um, he's explosive. He's got a mean streak. Um you know, I know a lot of people got after him, you know, when he had that personal foul last year early in the season. But, you know, I don't ever fault the player for that. You just got to time it a little bit better before the whistle blows. <laughs> he has really impressed me as a player because, you know, my only experience at watching him when he was at Florida State, you know, they had him stuck out there, I think, playing right tackle. And, you know, he struggled a little bit. He was nowhere near the player at right tackle for Florida State that he's been for Alabama at, you know, a guard or a center position. Great player. Nasty, old school. Let's flip to the other side of the football, and Nick Saban even pointed this out uh, as he talked about the offensive line. Uh, was was spent time talking about the defensive front, but he said it's great competition when you can go up against our bunch every day in practice. When you look at this defensive line, I think the one thing that you have to start with is they've got some depth. They've got some bodies that can rotate, uh, not maybe where we were at, uh, what was it, 2016? We had those nine, ten guys we could rotate through there. Uh, but it seems like uh, this all, this defensive line, a lot of talent and a lot of depth. No, absolutely. You know, I, I think that, that that was one of my other, you know, constant complaints about last year was, you know, it was obvious, especially with the early departure of Quinn and Williams, you know, as a coaching staff, you know, who, who's the guy, you know, standing over there next to me on the sideline that's going to be close to being as disruptive as Quinn and Williams was? Well, it was obvious probably South, the South Carolina game, that was Christian Barmore. Um, and, and, you know, th their reluctance to play him more than they did you know, if you look at what his stats were last year based on the number of game reps that he got, you know, it's a no-brainer who that was. It was Christian Barmore. So, you know, now if you're looking at the, you know, the base 3-4 lineup, which you see less and less these days because of the spread teams, they have to play, you know, nickel so much. 
Um, but, you know, if you look at the base lineup with, with Barmore, you know, at one five technique and, and uh, Ray at the other and Dale at nose, you know, that that's better than what we had last year. Um, you know, you've got guys like, you know, Justin Abogier, who's pushing to be a starter. Um, you know, you've got Byron Young over there. And, you know, a guy that's um, played a lot of football and I think been very, you know, productive for Alabama. Uh, and and uh, Fidarian Mathis, you know, he's probably going to be Dale's backup. Um, you know, I, I think there is a lot of depth there. Um, you know, they've got good depth at, you know, all the linebacker positions and, and, and on the back end. You know, the, the easiest way for that defense to get better than what they were last year is to – be able to generate an organic pass rush on obvious passing downs, whether it's second and eight or third and six. And, you know, I think you're going to probably see that at some point in time this season, and I expect it to be Will Anderson and Drew Sanders. You know, this defense uh, give a lot of expectations. We've uh, spent some time talking earlier about the linebackers. I know you mentioned Will Anderson, but let's let's move on back to that third level for a couple of minutes. Uh, what's your kind of confidence that this unit, uh, because the current day of college football, yeah, you got to be able to play in open space. Can can this unit get it done when you begin to look at this secondary? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think the biggest key for that to happen, Ryan, is are we going to actually get to see a injury-free and fully invested mentally Josh Job in 2020? You know, I think he is the, you know, kind of the kickoff point for the back end of that defense, which, you know, if the quarterback only has 2.5 seconds to get rid of the football, it makes all those guys on the back end's jobs a lot easier. You know, going back to, uh, you know, when I played, you know, everybody used to talk about Antonio Langham and George Teague and, you know, all those great players on the back end of that 92 defense. Well, guess what? Their job, not to take anything away from them as, you know, cover guys, but their jobs were real easy because the opposing quarterback only had 2.5 seconds before Eric Curry and John Copeland was hitting them in the ear hole. Uh, but th- there's a lot of moving parts going on back there. Um, specifically at the safety positions. You know, you got DeMarco Hellums, and, uh, you know, I think you're probably going to see Sertain um, kind of, you know, maybe, you know, assuming that Minka Fitzpatrick uh, center field headhunting role at safety in the nickel and dime package. But to me, I think the key on that back end is a totally healthy, fully invested Josh Joseph. Kind of, you know, look at back at the Michigan game. Uh, he stood in there and uh, g- gave Alabama some uh, solid play there. When you, when you look at um, the defensive back, uh, you know, Brian Branch, even Jalen Waddle today, uh, throwing some, you know, some great praise to uh, Brian Branch, Malachi Moore. Uh, but you you look at a tough position. Looks like those true freshmen are going to get their first crack at it. Yeah, I think so, and I, you know, I think that's good. I mean. Uh... You know, competition breeds success, and you know that's that's the the beauty of this Nick Saban Alabama program. You know, if you know you're one of those, you know, and I think that's where the the key to a championship run is with any program. Um, you know, I think Nick Saban's got a pretty good idea who his starting twenty two are on both sides of the football, 
But where a championship program is bred and, and produced is who are the next 22. And I think that's where Nick Saban and this Alabama coaching staff is going to make their focus over the next two weeks prior to the Missouri game is, hey, we, we've got to figure out who, you know, the second 22 are. You know, look, you know, if there's a COVID outbreak and, you know, some guys get quarantined and stuff, um, you know, somebody posed this question to me on another radio show over the weekend. Um, you know, what would Clemson season look like, you know, if they were to lose Trevor Lawrence to, to COVID? Well, I would basically equate it to Alabama losing Dylan Moses for the season last year. Um, you probably would have just had Christian Harris as a true freshman playing next to him. Um, you lose Dylan Moses for the season, and you've got two true freshmen out there probably lost and swimming mentally in the playbook in, in Christian Harris and, and uh, Lee. You know, how, how different would have that inside linebacker play have looked last year had it been Dylan Moses and just one true freshman standing next to him? William, this is probably one of the most comprehensive interviews that we do. We uh, do it as often as we possibly can, and we always get a lot of great praise from our conversations. I look up at the clock, and my producer's giving me the the break sign. Get out of here, get out of here, because uh, I ran right through that last uh, break, but uh, it's it's definitely worth it when we can catch up with you, William. I, I appreciate the conversation. Crimson Tide Insider, former offensive lineman at the University of Alabama, national champion winning offensive lineman. William, thank you for giving us a couple of minutes here in Tuscaloosa. Hey, Ryan. I always enjoy catching up with you, man. Thank you, William. William Barger helping us out there. It's Alabama tradition, the past, present, and future of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Possible to ignore, but a quiet baby can be easy to forget. Every year, dozens of children lose their lives because otherwise attentive adults forgot they were in the back seat. It only takes a moment for a car to heat up to dangerous levels, even on cooler days. So get in the habit of always looking in the back seat and use reminders to ensure baby is always with you. Where's baby? Look before you lock. Paid for by NHTSA. Mostly cloudy this afternoon and tonight. Just a few isolated showers around. The high today, 85. Tonight's low, 70. Tomorrow, cloudy and breezy with a few periods of rain, especially tomorrow afternoon and tomorrow night. The high at 73. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. The host of the game, Ryan Fowler, and the host of the Martin Houston Show, Martin Houston have combined to offer a show filled with in-depth analysis of Alabama football and more. Alabama Tradition broadcasts live on Tide 100.9 every Tuesday from 6 to 7 p.m. and is available live and on playback on numerous affiliates around the Southeast. Check out alabamatradition.com for a list of affiliates as well as other great content. It was great to be able to talk with William Barcher. Uh, spent a lot of time talking about this Alabama football team. Uh, it was great to be able to catch up. You look at this team. If you listen to that 25-minute conversation, will that not get you fired up about Alabama Crimson Tide football? Uh, we're an Alabama tradition. I'm running solo for, well, how long will it take for the high school uh, football? You guys are all high school football. 
So what will it take? With there, is there five more regular season weeks? Is that right? Four more weeks? No, we're we're like in. Uh, I think we're coming up on week four, week five, and the Super Seven well, and Bryant Denny. That's like usually like uh, beginning of December. So I, I'd say. Pro- so so are you saying I'm gonna be here for a while by myself? Well, no. Hey, Northridge has a super good team. I've covered them a few times. Okay, and- six six more weeks. Joe Gaither tells me. See, he's a, he's a high school. Oh, okay. So six more weeks. Six so Martin, more weeks. Martin Houston and I hanging out uh, usually on Tuesday nights, and we throw it around here quite a bit. So. I'm holding down the Ford as Northridge uh, continues to do their thing undefeated. Uh, the Jag fans, you guys just understand that I'm making a sacrifice for you Jag fans out there. I hope you guys appreciate me every single day. Uh, and, you know, John Copeland over there. Uh, you know, Copeland is a guy that I did some radio with uh, here on Saturday morning. Tommy, were you, were you, were you part of the station when Copeland and – uh, Chase Goodbread and Mike Parker. Were you- nope, nope, nope. Was that before you? Yeah, that was pre this whole place burning okay. to the ground when you okay. hired me. Okay, okay. But we were downstairs, and uh, Copeland and uh, Chase Goodbread, also uh, Mike Parker, uh, they still do uh, the Crimson cover and uh, still do a lot of great things on the TV side of things. But uh, I kind of miss those guys throwing around on Saturday morning. But uh, Copeland, uh, as I was hearing William Barger, who brought up uh, Copeland and Curry, we had double-digit sack guys in 1992. Uh, you you young pups over there, take a little note here. Eric Curry and John Copeland both had double-digit sacks in 1992. Uh, Gino Toretta won the Heisman Trophy, and, and we threw a roadblock up in him the size of something in Tuscaloosa downtown. I mean, it was a gigantic roadblock. But it was Copeland and Curry coming from – when you can create that type of pressure, it changes the way you play. And as William was pointing out, George Teague and Antonio Langham, great superstar players. But think about it. You didn't have to lock down your wide receiver, but just so many seconds. And you, you had Copeland and Curry, and then you add to that. Uh, and, and Alabama, man, that was Alabama football uh, just from a fun perspective. And maybe that's where we all are at. We're a bunch of spoiled, rotten little brats. We always win championships. We're playing with house money. Think about it. If you've only been alive for 20 years, you've seen more championships in this Nick Saban 13-year run than most programs will see in their entire life. You see more championships in the last five years than most programs will see their entire life. So we're playing with house money. Uh, but that 1992 team, you go back to 1961. We had six shutouts. We gave up 25 points. We had Leroy Jordan on last Friday to talk about Coach Bryant. The September the 11th, uh, would it, would it, Coach Bryant would have been 107. And we honor his legacy here and what he means to the University of Alabama. So it was fun to be able to catch up with that 1961. He was the uh, he was the captain. Pat Trammell would have been the other side. So you had Pat Trammell, Leroy Jordan as captain and co-captain, 31 tackles uh, when you look back at that Leroy Jordan uh, performance in the Orange Bowl. But it's uh, we've been built that way. You can give me points. That's okay. We need to score points to win games in the current time of college football. 47.2 points per game last year. But I hope we find a way to control the clock just a little bit better. I know it's a spoiled, rotten Alabama fan, but you look at defense as William was going through that. I was trying to control my energy with just looking at that defensive side of the football. You begin to smile. He talked about Josh Job 
and spent some time looking at uh, that defensive front. We didn't even have time. We spent about 24 minutes. We didn't even have time to go through the linebackers, but uh, what a great conversation. Dylan Moses, a projected SEC Defensive Player of the Year, and even on the national level, Dylan Moses getting some of that recognition. You look back at Dylan Moses, getting him to come back, and I thought uh, when you listen back to Pete Golding, when he spoke with us at the start of camp, he said, when you look at Dylan Moses, he came to me in my office, and he said, I want to take this team. When, when, when he came back and he said, I'm coming back, but I want this to be my team. I want to take charge of that side of the football. Well, Dylan Moses, uh, going into today's practice, and I'll get some reports later on from some uh, inside sources and try to share with you as much as I possibly can uh, tomorrow. But uh, looking at Dylan Moses, he is playing with a high level of confidence. And if he can take what he is, the camp that he has had so far, and work our way into this upcoming season, you kind of get excited about the breakout season, season uh, that Dylan Moses can have. And Alabama has been able, when, when, when they have had that dominant linebacker, that alpha dog linebacker, we've, we've, been, we've been a lot better. And we've got to find a way to get back to that. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to be able to watch these guys. You look at Christian Harris, a year under his belt uh, at the wheel spot. Joshua McMillan, you don't bring a guy back for six years unless you have a plan. When you ask an engineer, a guy that could walk out, think about the money that he could make as an engineer. But you ask him to come back and play one more year of football and become a grad student, uh, Josh McMillan, you kind of find a way, well, he's going to have a role. He's going to have a role. Uh, so you look at Josh McMillan. is another guy that can uh, knock your head off. But Alabama started to find a way. Start to build a little excitement. Can you believe it? We've got one more day, and we'll be down to single digits. Remember, Martin Houston will lead you through the gate tomorrow morning, 6 a.m., 6 a.m., 7, Wimp and Barry inside the locker room. Gary Harris leads you through from 9 until 11. Travis Ryer, Southern Fried Sports with Joe Gaither from 11 until noon because Joe's filling in for him this week as Travis enjoys the exotic uh, Montana uh, Wyoming area out there at the Yellowstone. So, uh, Jay Barker, Lars Anderson, and all those guys. Uh, Trent Richardson, Antonio Langham uh, doing 12 until 2. I'm Ryan Fowler. We'll close down this edition. We thank our law enforcement officers, EMTs, firefighters, medical personnel. You guys are incredible. We don't say thank you enough. Thank you, Tommy, Josh, Bryant. Uh, even had somebody else in there hanging out. I think it was Sydney earlier. Uh, appreciate those guys. We remind you the only way that you can win the big game, the game of life, is to walk daily with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Good night. I'll see you tomorrow at 2 o'clock right here on The Game. Have a great evening. That's a shame. Poor Bama's plug and grin. Every her name in crimson flame. Fight on, fight on, fight on.